All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This is a Web Canopy Studio production. Everybody, how's how's it going? John Scott, Tim Wurzberger here. Hey, on a Thursday night. What do you think of the new opening, Tim? The new I theme song. It. It's been stuck in my head all day. I think it's great. This so oh, okay. We asked, I guess you know, they would we would call them their, our fans. Yeah. To create a theme song for us, an opening tune, because we got some negative feedback. Some people didn't like it. So the we haters. Said, well, the haters, they're going to hate. We said, well, if you don't like it, why don't you come up with something better? And we got a, we got someone. Jared. I think he's from San Jose. I think so, yeah. So Jared sent us four separate tracks. Him and his friends got together in their garage and laid down some beats. And they're really good. Like, they're exactly what i would want not too hip-hop-ish very kind of a little rock and roll a little bit of country a little bit of rock and roll not too flashy very short is perfect it was perfect and so jared reached out he said hey man here you go do with do what you want with these um hopefully you enjoy them i said oh i love them anyway so he also said listen i'm a part of the hockey world too i work with one step san jose one step phoenix which is a special needs hockey association, and which is great. So, Jared, man, thank you very much. If any of you out there want to support the One Step um, Special Needs Hockey Association, go to osbi.org. I know, it's a cool thing. I looked it up. It's the American Special Hockey Association. They do good work. It's really cool. I mean, helping those kids in need and, and who have disabilities, either mentally or physically, and obviously they're, they're tied with both the um, the Coyotes and the Sharks organization. They do a lot of cool stuff together. Yeah. So, yeah. Shout out to Jared. Yeah, cheers to Jared. Very, very cool that people would go out of their way to, A, make a song, and then, B, more importantly, to kind of give their time to a charity organization and to help out people in need. What a guy. Very cool. Very, very cool. So thank you, Jared. I appreciate it. The songs will be up, gosh, for the foreseeable future. I don't, I don't see us taking them down. No, they're so I good. Them. I love them. John Scott. Awesome. Anytime your name's in a song, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> Jared, it's okay. You didn't get my name in there. That's fine. Well, how do I'm you not... how do you get Tim Wurzberger in a song? Even Tim sh- Wurzberger. Hey, Tim. You're a Nazi. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. All right. Anyways, how was your week? Good? 
It was good. Yeah, it flew by. It I can't believe it's Thursday by. night already. I know. Yeah, we're doing a night night taping. Which is great. Which is good. I like Thursday night, too, because now I, the episode drops on Friday. It's not like four days in between when we record and when the that's true the new one drops. I know. We can, we can talk about relevant things. Like, I was just on the way in, I saw a highlight of Connor dangling Tory Krug and going backhand shelf against the Bruins. When did that happen? Winnipeg. It happened like a half an hour ago. I, I just saw it. In Winnipeg? Winnipeg's oh, playing Kyle Boston. Connor. Kyle Connor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He dangles Tory Krug, and he goes in and does shelf backhand. We've been chatting for like a half hour, and you didn't bring that up until the, I was we started it. recording. Yeah, I was yeah. saving it. We were, th- yeah, we were busy talking about other things. I thought you meant Connor McDavid. But no, yeah. no, 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 no. Did you see his Connor. goal against the Maple Leafs the other night? No. It's absolutely undressed Morgan Riley. Made him look like a, a cone. It was... Silly. Really? He's so fast. Beat him wide or through him or around him? Wide. Around, right around him. Right yeah. around him. Yeah. That's McDavid's MO. Yeah. He kind of slowed down like he was trying to try to go through him. So he, he caught uh, Morgan Riley's stick in the wrong place and just jetted around him and tucked the five hole. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Gorgeous. If only they had Jake Gardner. Jake would have buried him in the boards. <laughs> yeah, right. There's no way McDavid gets run. Jake wouldn't have been on the ice the same Gardner. time as McDavid. Well, he's yeah, matchups. Yeah. The Oilers don't want him versus Gardner. Shuts him down. Yeah. Go look at the stats when they're on the ice together. McDavid is minus seven. Look it up. You just made that up. Fact. Fact, I did. But I'm sure it's pretty close. I actually was looking at Gardner's stats the other day. He's like minus 20. He's not having a great year. I think he's got 10 points. Then I looked up Barry's stats, and I think Barry has like 25. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a breakfast. So here's the thing. No, it's five on five points. I did not look up five on five points. Okay, but either way, here's the other thing. I owe you a breakfast right now yeah. for the Patriots. Yeah. Do those breakfasts cancel each other out, or do we just go out twice? No, we, we need to have two breakfasts. Yeah. yeah. I think that's appropriate. Okay. Anyways, so today I I went and got a haircut. Ah, I knew something was different about you. I... I usually don't like getting haircuts. I just think it's a waste of time and money. So I try to get them. I space up my haircuts as long as I can. So I was looking at two months. I was getting shaggy, and I said, I look like garbage. I need to get a haircut. So I scheduled one. I got my regular guy. I go in, and my last haircut, I didn't get my regular guy. And I I got Joe. I didn't get Gary. So Joe, I said, you know, I got a little bald spot on the front. Can you protect me there? tighten up the sides let's make it happen that's what gary always does joe didn't tighten up the sides he just kind of left it really long and that's why i had to go in there i think it was only a month month and a half after i got my last haircut which is very short time span for me anyways i get gary this time i'm happy gary's my guy i go in. i say gary i want the regular but just a little shorter because i just i want it short for some reason i just feel like i got not that i have long hair i just wanted it short so you don't have to come back too soon. Yeah, I just was like, I think I got a little bit um, shortchanged last time, so I want to make sure I get my money's worth this time. Let's let's take it short on the sides, protect me up top. You know my little my little peninsula. You know my spot. You know my spots. Protect me. He's like, I got you. I got a friend who has the same kind of hairline. I got you. I'm going to give you the haircut I always give him. Like perfect. And I reemphasized short on the sides, leave it a little longer up top. When he cuts his hair, I face away from the mirror, so I don't, I don't get to see what he's doing. Do you? Does that happen to you? When you uh, get your hair cut, they spin you around for certain parts of it, but not the whole time. The whole time I'm facing away. Ooh. I don't even get to look at the mirror. I don't like that. And that's how we always does it. This is an old school barber shop. This Robertson's. Yes. Yeah. I was I was trying to keep the names out of it, but yes, Robertson's <laughs> in town, 
And he spins me around right, right at the very end. Yeah. And I turn around and I go, Gary, where, where the heck is my hair on top? I told you to take care of my bald spots. And he goes, oh, I thought you said go short. I said, on the sides, Gary. Oh, on no. the sides. And I'm like, man. I'm like, this is, I looked at him. I said, this is a terrible haircut. I said, no. I do not like it. I've never done that. I don't what? think I would have the, the guts to do that. I just said you you didn't do a, I just said this is not your best work. I do not like it. Those are my exact words. No. Not your best work. Do not like this haircut. I usually I give him 25 bucks, slipped him a 20. I said, I'll see you in a couple months. No. I said, it'll grow back and we'll do better next time. Get home. I did not have a hat in the car. So I was very self-conscious about going in the house. I literally took one step in the house and I hear from across the kitchen my second oldest daughter, Gabriella, go, Dad, you look horrible. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my gosh, what? And she goes, your hair. It looks like you have hair and then you have this big patch of hair at the front. What happened? Because no. I have a peninsula. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. I go right into the bedroom, grab the hat, throw it on. I'm just in a bad mood the rest of the day. So you had a hat on for the past few days? I got the haircut today. Today? Okay. Today I got it. Can we see it? No, not a chance. It's <laughs> a, such, such a bad haircut. The only time I'll take my hat off now is when I go to church on Sunday. And that's it. Gosh. I'm just like, I'm just so self-conscious about it. It's interesting that you like that because I only went there once. And I heard great things when I moved here. And I heard, got to go to Robertson's. I went there once, got a bad haircut, and I'm never going back. It is a very old school barbershop. The things I like about it are, it is just low key. And it costs 16 bucks. You're in and out. Yeah. It's just like easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I like that. I don't like the whole glitz and glamour of let's shampoo. Let's shampoo at the end. Let's put in some product. Let's talk about this. I'm like, just cut my hair. Let me get out of here. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. they've done a good job. They did not do a good job this time. I'm very unsatisfied. And it just got me thinking. My kids are so honest. I'm yeah. like, man. This kid, I walk in the door and she goes, you look horrible. From across the room, shouts it in front of the whole family. And I didn't even say anything. I'm like, yep, I do. <laughs> I know I do. I'm like, you son of a gun. It's funny. You know the comedian John Mulaney? You ever listen to him? Um, I know the name, yes. He's pretty funny. I was listening to his stand-up a few weeks ago, and he had a, a bit about uh, middle schoolers, so a little older than your daughter, but he's like, how brutally honest they are. And they're also smart enough to like pick on the one thing that you're most sensitive about. Like they'll, they'll, they know what it is, and they will just not stop harp, harping about it. And they're so good at it. <sighs> well, my daughter nailed it. Yeah. I know. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Because right? I, I felt really bad going into the house. And all I wanted was for someone to be like, oh, you know, it's not too bad. No, she nailed me and just put the final nail in the coffin. What did like, Danielle say? She didn't say anything because she, she knew it was bad. <laughs> yeah. She's not going to lie to me and be like, oh, you know, it's okay. It's a terrible hair. I don't even think I showed her. Because I came into the kitchen, and I locked eyes with Gabrielle, and she goes, you look horrible. No. And I took an immediate turn to the bedroom to grab my hat. And so I don't even think Danielle saw it. She won't see it. I'm going to sleep with a toucan. <laughs> no way. I'm not going to blow that, Think get her thinking I'm ugly. It's such a nerve-wracking thing to go to a new place, too. Like that when was I moved an old here, place. But I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to find a new haircut place. But you have a gorgeous head of hair. Oh, come on. It's not hard to get a haircut when you have a full head of like luscious hair. I have a 
not ideal, less than ideal hairline. Yeah, but with great power comes great responsibility. The stakes are higher when you got a full head of hair. No, but there's all you can always come back to it. If you get a bad haircut, what's the worst thing you do? You buzz it down, you still have a nice buzzed head. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I have a garbage hairline, and I look like trash right now. You look great with a hat on. That's what I mean. I'm going to stick with that. You're going to get used to this hat. What mass are you going to on Sunday so I can see? Like 4 a.m.? <laughs> the nobody nobody time where no one's there. I'm going to go by myself. Anyway, so I thought that was just funny that the kid just called me out. You know, I just think it's cute. I was like, you know what? I do look bad. But that's not really nice to say. I'm like, you don't make – you made dad feel sad. <laughs> let's, let's, let's not do that. Anyways, I don't think people want to hear about my kids and my hairline and my problems. But anyways, so – I was thinking the other day, gosh, we went and interviewed um, Marlo and Pickles, yep. and he was mentioning fighting BXA and the code, and I was thinking, interesting, we don't, we haven't really touched on that, because in my opinion, BXA should have never fought him, you know, there was probably tougher guys on the team at that time, Rafi Torres or Douglas Murray or other guys who would have been more his level of fighting. So I just thought, well, what if we talked about... The code, things that go into fighting, different techniques, different strategies, things that I know that probably fans don't know, different things that guys do, different things that guys take. Um, I just thought it'd be an interesting podcast because I was a fighter, for lack of a better word, for 10 years, 11 years. That was my job. I got paid very well to fight people. I'm I'm not naive to that where I thought I was a hockey player. I played hockey, but the reason I was there was honestly because I was very tough and I was very big. And I tried my best to play hockey on top of that. But if I wasn't tough, if I went out there and got beat up my first three or four fights, I would never have had a career that I did. So let's dive into it. Let's just talk about the role of fighters and just little tidbits, little secrets. I don't know. What do you, how do you want to do this? You want to do Q&A? Why don't you kind of start with just how you view the code and what your kind of your tenants that you follow were? And we I have- think, yeah, I think with this everyone's talked about this. So I think it has been beat to death a little bit, but the way I see the code as a, I don't know, I, I hate to talk about like a heavyweight. I was a heavyweight. I was one of the tougher guys in the league. The code is if you get someone in a bad situation, you don't put them out. You let up. And you take it easy. If someone's on the ice, if someone takes a knee, if someone's down, you don't give them a shot on the ice. You don't take that extra punch. You don't do something to jeopardize someone's career or their way of living. That's how I see the code. Strictly with fighting. And that can apply to hitting. That can apply to hockey in a lot of ways. If you see someone with their head down, you hit them. You don't try to hurt them. I remember once we were playing in Vancouver. My first year, I got all like excited. I got, grabbed the puck from my zone and I like was skating into the offensive zone. All of a sudden, I hear someone come screaming from the Canucks D zone trying to nail me at the blue line, and it was Bexa. And he comes up and he goes, boom, and yells it. And it startled me, and I kind of dumped the puck in, but he didn't bury me because he could have really killed me. And I was like, man, that was really nice of him. You know? Did you say anything to him? Uh, no, but I just thought that was really – Cool. That was the code. Because he could have buried me, absolutely buried me at the blue. My head was down. I thought I was Bobby Orr. I was like, I'm going to take this in. No way. I had the puck. Yeah. And then Bieksa comes and just like out of nowhere and just could have destroyed me. 
But he didn't. He just screamed, literally goes, boom. And I like fumbled the pocket, like dribbled in the corner. And he goes, and he just went on his way. I was like, oh, that was cool. He might have like just bumped my shoulder. Yeah. But it was, I just didn't expect that. So anyways, I think that is the code. You don't try to hurt somebody on purpose. That's the code. What about once the fight is started? What are some of the things there? Um, For usually. Example, so go ahead. Well, no, usually it's funny when a fight starts. When I started fighting, there was no visors. But as I as I got later in my career when visors became mandatory for those who came into the league, it got tricky because you would fight these guys and they would have a visor on. And that is the scariest thing when you're fighting someone because if you crack a visor, it can just mess your hand up so, so bad. So the code at that point was, listen, unbuckle your chin strap so I can take your helmet off like let's just not hurt each other because that's what everyone's worried about you want to fight there are injuries that come from fighting i've ripped my thumb off i've broken my nose i've you know black eyes whatever dislocated shoulders you name it it's happened but you don't want to like go in there and get injured from something silly like rip your hand open on someone's visor or if some if i'm down someone belts me in the face and i break my face like that is not necessary so I just think be smart. There's some people out there who are just complete animals and they don't think and they just like want to win the fight. Another thing, you don't rip someone down from the back of their collar and try to like slew foot them and try to throw them down and pretend you win the fight. That happened to me once with Cody McCormick where I fought him. He was playing for Colorado and it was a decent fight. I was coming back for injury. I was a little hesitant, you know, hesitant. And I think he was coming back from injury, too. So we, we got into a fight, and he grabbed me by the back of my jersey. We got twisted up, and he pulled me down. And I was like, you, like, it's the most dangerous play. You're so just off balance. Anyways, throwing people to the ice, their heads hit the ice. It's just unnecessary. Anyways. Does someone do something like that just to give the illusion that they won the fight? Because the yeah. fans can't tell. Whoever goes down first loses. The no fans what don't know that. what's happening for the yeah. most part. It's just whoever lands on top of who is the winner of the fight basically yeah. so if you watch guys if they're losing the fight they'll try to tie up and throw the guy down and they'll jump on top and they'll get up first and they won the fight so yeah if if you're in a fight and that's the thing i i fought a caliber of guys who didn't do that but that's more for the middleweight guys or the the flyweights who don't fight that often where they're not experienced enough the, the guys who I fought, they fought their whole life. So they don't usually do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I didn't have to deal with that. The guys who grab your leg or just, it's just, come on, just fight. I remember uh, watching Sean Thornton fight all the time. And he would he was a great fighter, obviously, but he was terrible at staying on his feet. He would go down all the time. Guys would just either, whether they were doing that or they were just knocking him down, he would always go down. Who's Sean and Thornton? Sean Thornton. Was he a fighter? Yes, he was. For who? The Boston Bruins. Oh, yeah, I knocked him out. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Never mind. I just forgot. I forgot that real quick. What about like sometimes guys uh, take their helmet off before the fight? Sometimes they don't. Visor or no? Like, what are the rules around that? Like, I don't know why guys used to do that. It did, didn't make any sense to me. But if someone takes their helmet off, I'll take. I think it happened once in my career where someone took his helmet off, and I was like, really? Like, come on. So I took mine off, and then I had to fix my hair. It was a whole ordeal. We already talked about it. Because if someone does, you you can't not take yours off, too. No. Yeah, you can't. And then I think they put a rule in. Yeah, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with the visor. So yeah. guys would take it off, and then the NHL was like, well, we don't want that because then you're going to hit your head, mm -hmm. and the optics of that is even worse. So what do we do? So they started giving out penalties for 
taking your helmet off and that's why guys would like undo the chin strap and then they would both like take each other's helmet off and then that looks even worse and it looks like a staged fight and it was just a whole thing the nhl is so ridiculous sometimes i just don't understand anyways just keep your nose out of fighting it was they should have never instigated the instigator rule they should have never put that in just it was so good the way it was what's it, it was so what good. exactly is the instigator rule so the instigator rule was put in to curb fighting so if i were to instigate a fight with someone who didn't want to fight after a big hit or a scrum around the net i get a five for fighting a two for instigating and a 10 minute misconduct so i'm wow. out of the game for 17 minutes the other team gets a power play for two and it just puts us you know yeah on, on the pk and they put that in i don't know why I honestly don't know why. I think it was the curb fighting because maybe they thought the stage fighting or the enforcers were getting out of hand. I, I, I'm sure I've been told this, but I just forget. But, yeah, I think it's a terrible rule because, A, I don't know, we've probably talked about this to death. Like, it just emboldens the the pests and the rats because they know they're not going to get jumped because a fighter doesn't want to put their team down. What about um, how is it different fighting when you're angry and worked up about something versus when you're not? Like, when is it like emotions? When is it, when is it just your job? I l- enjoyed it a lot more when I was angry. Yeah. When I like had feelings toward the person I was fighting, or if I knew he did something, I was so much more effective than just going into a fight knowing that I had to fight. So. And it's straight. I didn't like fighting. It's not like I went into a game and be like, I'm pumped to fight. Like, this is going to be great. I'm going to get yeah. to a fight tonight. It just it just was my job. But if I, like, knew someone wronged my team, if I saw a fighter go out and hit someone or a fighter do something I didn't like and it really irked me, that's when I was at my most effective. If I didn't like you, that's when I really, really, really tried to win the fight. And, Yeah. But if I was just like a listen, we're down a goal. I have to fight you. I I just wasn't as into it as I would have been if like someone cross checked me or hit me or hit my team or did something to cross me. Yeah, I think that's like with everybody. If you if you had a staged fight or if you saw someone like spit on your car, you'd be more fired up to fight the guy who spit on your car. Yeah, right. This yeah. is human nature. What about like if you if you knew them or not? Like if you fought someone who was a former teammate or a buddy of yours. Out of necessity, would that change it? I never, that was, I never got too close with people in the league, ever. Like, I would see them in the summer. I would train with them. I would see them at meetings throughout the year. We, you know, I was in a lockout with a lot of these guys. I purposely never became really good friends with these guys. Like, I was around George Peros a lot. Because he was um, the team rep for Anaheim. I was a team rep for whatever team I was on, Chicago, Buffalo, Minnesota. I saw him in the summers we were around each other a lot and I purposely did not talk to him. You know what I mean? Just cause I didn't want to have to, it would have affected me. I yeah. like the old school mentality of listen on the ice. I hate you. Yeah. I don't like any of you and I will go whatever it takes to win this game. Like that's why I, I, that's why I, I think I don't have any friends in the league. That's not true. Well, I do, but not that many yeah. because I literally just did not like the people I played against. Yeah. And, I didn't care who you were. If you got in my way, I would take you out. You know, and I, I don't like these days how people are friends. And it was even during when I was playing. Like you, people, they switch teams so often. You have friends everywhere, and it just kind of it loses that rivalry, that kind of 
thing they used to have in the original six where people literally hated each other. Like the guys from Montreal hated the guys from Toronto. The Boston guys hated the Rangers guys. Like everyone hated each other. The Detroit guys hated everybody. Like it was just the rivalries were real and there's not really any rivalries anymore. You know? Yeah. The Bruins Canadians one's not really anymore. Oh no. That is like a, no, not a rivalry whatsoever. 10 years ago. It was, it was one of the best in sports. Not even 10 years ago. Well, I guess the char hit on Pacioretty picked it up a notch. Yeah. But it just it takes one of those big moments now to make a rivalry. Like when I nailed Erickson, we had a good rivalry with Boston for a while. You know, when I jumped Kessel, yeah. we had one with Toronto. It takes those big things to make a rivalry these days. Yeah. Whereas back in the day, they just hated each other. Yeah. Like it was just ingrained in who you were. Just because of the teams you were on. That was yeah. it. That's all it took. Nowadays, it's not like that. So, I don't know. It's sad. It is what it is. I just... Hockey has changed. It's it's become more of a business. You know what I mean? It used to be like ingrained in who you were. Whereas nowadays I think people look out for themselves more often. They're not more concerned about the team like it would have been maybe 20, 30 years ago. Guys are looking out for themselves, I think, a little bit more yeah. these days. What about like if you fought someone before? Because you had a lot of repeat fights where you fought a lot of the same guys several times. How did the second and third fight, how was that different from the first one? But now that you had a little bit of experience with the guy under your belt. I feel like most of the time they would be a little more cautious. The only guy who I really, there was a few guys who they weren't as cautious the second time around. Like Frazier McLaren, Matt Karkner, those guys would just chuck him. Like regardless of what happened the first fight. But like a guy like Peros, I beat him up the first fight. The second fight he was a lot more cautious. Kevin Westgarth, Cam Jansen, those guys, they would come in and they would just play defense a lot more. And it is what it is. I, w- I would have done the same thing. Like, if I would have fought Justin Johnson again, yeah, I would have been a little bit more cautious. I tried to fight Orr many times after that. I probably would have had a different strategy. So it's just kind of self-preservation. You're trying different strategies. but And I think I was a little more emboldened when I would fight Peros the second time. I think I fought, the third time I fought him, he caught me. Just because I was like, I'm going to beat this guy up again. Broke yeah. my nose, bloodied me up. Yeah. Just because I'm like, I, you know, I dusted him the first two fights. This is going to be easy. And same thing with Jansen. I just got lazy and he catches me with a couple. Or Westgarth, the second or third fight, he, you know, would catch me with one. It just, yeah, you get you get a little complacent after you beat a guy a couple times. And then they catch you and then you're like, wait a minute, this guy's actually really, really tough. So one of the things I've always wondered, too, is obviously there's way, to the point, this you know, nowadays there's hardly any fighting in the playoffs. But there's always been much um, less fighting in the playoffs. But once in a while it happens. We just talked about um, Marlowe fighting with Bieksa a few years ago in the playoffs. When does it make sense? When is it the right time to fight in the playoffs? Because it's few and far between, right? Yeah, I always just... But if you look at the playoff series 30 years ago, there was fighting quite a bit. Yeah. I think the instigator rule really took that out out of the playoffs. Because if someone tries to fight someone, the other guy will just not drop his gloves and the guy gets an instigator penalty. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I get asked that question all the time and I don't have an answer for it. It's like, well, you play a lot and you fight a lot in the regular season. Then in the playoffs, you don't fight. It's like, I wish I would have played in the playoffs. It just, <laughs> yeah. It, well, didn't they want to win in the regular season? Then what I say is the regular season is a marathon. It's 82 games. Things happen. They need bodies. They need guys to protect their team. They need guys to protect their horses. Because you're trying to get to the playoffs. And once we get to the playoffs, that's when the horses go. I'm like, okay, I understand it. They want to like – it would always irk me. I'm like, I, I play the whole season. I fight for you. I grind for you. And then I just get benched in the playoffs. It kind of stinks. I get it. But, yeah, I didn't. I, I wasn't a fan of it. Yeah. 
What about on the flip side of that for the preseason? Obviously, the Kessel, <laughs> the Kessel incident was right? preseason. And then the preseason, like, you play every single preseason game, and then you're going to fight all the time because you get challenged by the AHL guys. You, I don't know. I didn't like fighting in the preseason. It's like the Wild West, right? It's just – I remember when I went to the AHL, my first camp, I think I fought, like, the whole time. And I remember getting in one fight. Gosh, was it in Chicago? I can't remember what it was. I fought this kid, and after the fight, I killed him. And he goes, thanks, man. I needed that. I'm like, well, you needed to get <laughs> beat up during camp? He's like, yeah, that was that was nice. I'm like, I almost, like, broke your – anyways, it's just Helping bizarre. him make the team? I Just to get, I don't know, a name maybe? Like, just, just stand out from the crowd? Who knows? But, yeah. yeah, the preseason is just you do what you do best, and I would get challenged all the time. And I, I fought a few times, but I tried not to fight uh, – you save it for the regular season. Yeah. So we're talking about fighting. When I think about fighting, I always think about, well, when did I start fighting? You know, I fought a little in Junior B, Junior C, but it was everyone had cages on. It was a different animal. There was no person who made their living as a fighter. You were just playing Junior B, and you had guys who were tougher and guys who weren't as tough. As you progress in hockey, people's skills get more specialized. There's goal scorers, there's defensive defensemen, there's checkers, and there's fighters. So I went to Houston my first year after college, And that is where I ran into a legit guy who fought and guys on that team who fought. There was three or four guys who that was their profession. That's how they made their money. And it was nice they took me under their wing, but what struck me was within the first month I was there, they were like, you need to take steroids. And I was like, what? Really? Yeah. And I didn't know. I was so naive to everything, and I – I just thought about it. I'm like, well, you know, maybe because I was super skinny. I came out of college like 240, maybe 235, 240, and I was six foot eight, six foot nine. Like I was very tall and very skinny. And I thought about it. They're like, yeah, if you take steroids for you know a month, two months, you'll put on 30 pounds and you'll be an absolute killer. And they they said you'll make the NHL. You you will be in the show in no time if you if you do that. And so I thought about it. I didn't think about it long, but I did definitely think about it because when someone, you know, A who you look up to in in a way, they were veterans on that team. I was a rookie. They say you should do this. This will make you better. You don't just say no, 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 no. You you think about it. You you know you do your due diligence. It's not like I was researching steroid side effects and stuff. I just went home and I was like, hmm, like should I do this? Like maybe it's a good idea. But I, thankfully, I didn't. I said no thanks, and you know they kind of dropped it. But it just like shook me. I was like, whoa, like this is this is a real deal. Like steroids are serious stuff. You know what I mean? Was it pretty easily accessible for those guys? I have no idea. No idea whatsoever. Yeah. I dropped it with them after that, and maybe they 
kind of felt I was weird about it. They did not bring it up again. I didn't see anybody taking steroids, but I just assumed that that was happening. It's interesting too because they, they probably thought like, "Oh, this this new kid won't take the steroids. He doesn't have what it takes. He's not. He's never going to make the show." Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, because I talked to. It's interesting how the generations, how things change. Because I, I do these charity events with old fighters now, the Marty McSorleys, the Brad Mays, the George LaRocks, those guys who fought like either a decade, two, three decades before I did, and they'll flat out say. This guy was on steroids. This guy was. This guy was. This guy was. And it's they're like it was so easy to see. Their heads were massive. They were absolutely insane. They did not feel pain, and it was just obvious. Yeah. And even in the AHL, because they didn't test, I would go around the league and I would see guys, and it was just completely obvious. It's like you are one hundred percent on steroids, and it just. You still fought them. You punched them 100 times in the head, and they didn't even feel it. (laughs) Their head was the size of a beach ball, and they're just, like, crazy. I don't don't know what the side effects of steroids are. I'm not a doctor. I've never looked into it. But I do know, like, Barry Bonds took it, and his head ballooned up three sizes. You know? And so you could tell. And in the AHL, it was big. Every every team had two or three guys who, like, I'm like, man, man, this this guy has a massive head. His upper body is shredded. And he just, like, skates around like an animal. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to out guys. But it's yeah. just, like, that's where I cut my teeth, where I would go into Barnes, and there would be this guy staring at me, like, holy moly, like, I, I, I'm not fighting you. Like, you're absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. So that was my, f- like, is it called indoctrination mm-hmm. to the NHL? Good word. Thank you. I just watched Jeopardy, um, the greatest of all times. Yeah. Yeah, the other day. So maybe I'm, it's rubbing off on me. James Holzer won the episode I won. Ken Jennings won the day before. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I never really watched Jeopardy. Yeah. Just it's like the greatest of all times. They have the three top guy. Anyways, yeah. we're getting off track. Yeah. Once I made the NHL, I got mentored by arguably the most toughest guy to play some a pair of skates, Derek Bugard. What I noticed was that one of the first things was we were I was called up. I was getting ready for a game, and I go into the trainer's room, and Boogie's spraying something on his hands. And he leaves because I was terrified to talk to him. And I asked the trainer, I'm like, what is Boogie put on his hands? He's like, oh, he's putting on tough skin. So there's a spray that guys put on their hands, on their palms, so they don't sweat. And so it keeps their hands dry, and it keeps them grippy so they can grab the gloves and grab their stick. And guys put on their hands, they put on their stick, so their stick stays grippy. Derek was putting it on his knuckles. So when he punched guys, his knuckles would stick and it would cut him. And he's like, yeah. So when I punch someone, it cuts them wide open. So my hands are super, like, just, I don't know what you would compare it to. Like, they were just super sticky. Like abrasive. And it's yeah. Like, rather, it's not going to slide off Rather than jaw, sliding gonna... off or glancing, it's going to cut you. He's like, yeah, it, like, grabs them and it doesn't, like, go to their skin. Oh, my god! I was like, interesting. That's, like, insane. So th- it, that wasn't illegal. Was no, it? like you can put like I, I would fight guys and I would punch them and I would have Vaseline on my knuckles because guys yeah. would like lube up their face. Yeah, and I'm just like it's so bizarre that guys would go to that length to like win a fight. I remember like the first time someone blocked a punch on me where they legit were like putting up their elbow to block a punch, and now it's common. Not like you see it all the time. I remember the first time Rocky Thompson was one of the first guys I fought him in the HL. 
this like he's a good coach now, but he was like this psycho on the ice where you'd hear him coming from a mile away because he just skated. He was skate, and you'd hear him <laughs> like, "Oh, there's Rocky, like two zones away, <laughs> trying to hit you." Like I see you and hear you coming, my man. So we get into a fight, and I'm hitting him, and all of a sudden he pops his arm up, and he's blocking my punches. I'm like, "What? What do I do?" And so I just like stop punching. I'm like. Okay, like I tried to uppercut. Uh, it was in the AHL. I, I was yeah. still new to it. That's uh, he had Vaseline on. He had his hair slicked back. It was just this whole ordeal. I guess he was a Golden Gloves boxer. Um, what else? Um, equipment. Oh, another thing from Boogie. He used to wear leather gloves, and I was like, "Why do you wear these old school leather gloves? They're hard to break in." He's like, "Because when I punch a guy in the face, it hurts more." <laughs> and I'm just like you were just like guy's a warrior he's just like yes if you get punched with the canvas glove it's a little more soft but if I have a leather glove it's going to hurt more so that's why I wear leather gloves wow. so if I'm in a scrum and I punch someone in the face it's going to hurt more I was like you really put a lot of thought in this so at the end of my I remember I went to the Rangers I had Glenn Sather had this rule where you had to have a plastic implant put on your gloves almost like a plate for shot blocking. So if you got hit in the hand, they had a, a rash of guys who broke their hands blocking shots, like Callahan, Girardi, and Stahl. Like those guys, they would block anything, and they would get hit in the hand and break their hands. So he made everyone on the whole team put like a little plastic plate on their gloves, and it stuck out a little bit on my glove, this little plastic thing. And so when yeah. I would punch a guy, it would be like this little tiny piece of plastic just belting them in the cheeks. And so <laughs> – I would start punching guys in a scrum, and they would get a big gash wherever I would hit them because it would just be like a hard piece of plastic going into their skin. And I was like, man, this is lethal. It's crazy. And so, yeah, you would get penalties for it, but no one would go in a scrum with me because I would just hit them, and they'd get a big cut. That's the kind of stuff, like, no one no one sees that. Yeah. The fans have no idea that kind of stuff is happening at ice level. None whatsoever. Tie-downs. So when I came into the league, tie-downs were mandatory. It's a... For those of you who don't know, it's a piece of fabric inside your jersey that ties to your pants. And it's fastened with Velcro and then um, a button or a clip. Whatever. Otherwise known as a fighting strap. Fighting right? strap, yeah. So guys would put their tie-down on, and then they would cut the tie-down all the way until like there's just a little bit left. So when they would get into a fight, they would hope that the guy would rip their tie-down off and they could like take their old-school jersey off and shoulder pads and just be like free. Really? But then I had the other end of the spectrum. I played with Matt Cassian. He would have a tie down on the back and a tie down on the front. So no one could even touch his jersey. Then I played with guys who had really baggy jerseys. So you would have nothing to grab onto. And if you grabbed their jersey, you couldn't control them because their jersey would be so loose. Right. They would just be free. And so there's all these little things, shoulder pads. I would have played with guys or played against guys who they would wear no shoulder pads at all. I remember, gosh, who was it? The guy would have his shoulder pads connected to the straps on his um, suspenders on his pants, and he didn't have anything in the middle. So he had a shoulder pad and an arm pad, but nothing in the middle. So he had nothing to grab onto. So in a fight, when I'm fighting someone, I reach and I grab, I try to grab their, the middle of their jersey and their shoulder pad so I can control everything they do. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if someone doesn't have that, you're at a huge disadvantage. So he just had just jersey and then just jersey, and then he had and a caps, yeah, yeah, on his suspenders. So if you block a shot on your chest, mind you, I had shoulder pads, but my my chest just went right under my nipples. Yeah. So like I didn't have much padding there either, but 
to get rid of the whole thing. That's bold. I was going to ask, is there anything else you did besides the, the mandatory thing with the gloves the, um, to your equipment to adjust to prepare for fights one way or the other? Not really. Like, I, I always liked my shoulder pads to be small and tight on my body. But I had such an advantage with my length. I didn't really go to the lengths that some guys do. Yeah. Like, it always bothered me. We'd start a fight, and some guy would rip their elbow pad off right away. I'm like, it's like you're cheating. Like, it's not. And I would never do that. But guys would, like, tape their elbow pads up, or guys would shed them right away. Everybody had their own kind of style that they liked to do. I mm-hmm. I didn't fight much. Like, honestly, if you look at my stats, I think I got into, like, 50 fights in 10 years. So it's not like yeah. I fought a whole lot, but. Yeah, different guys have different things. Like the guys who played juniors for a long time, they they knew what to do, and they were yeah, they were the scary guys. Like McGratton, like that guy fought hundreds of times. And Steve McIntyre, that video we were just watching last week, oh, he's still fighting. He's an absolute like he's so scary. Yeah, he just gets hit in the face five six times, and he's like, all right, let's go. Wham wham yeah. wham 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 drops the guy. Yeah, it's see, I get, I see that, I'm like, man, he's still doing it in the East Coast. Like it makes me sad. Yeah. Like, you know, he kind of lost his money. He has to play. He doesn't want to play. He has to play at this point, I yeah. think. It makes me sad. I got his. We need to get him on the show. He'd be a great guy. I got his number. Poor guy. From Brock, Saskatchewan. Great guy. But, man, I know yeah. I, I, I would like to ask him, like, do you really want to play hockey right now? Or are you just doing this to kind of cut a paycheck? Because who – I don't know. You're in the coast. You're not making big bucks. You're making, what, thirty grand a year? Tops? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the coast salaries are, but they can't be high. I know the AHL bumped up. I know guys are making three, four hundred grand in the AHL. What's the minimum in the AHL when you were there? Thirty. That low, really? Thirty-five. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I got yeah. fifty, and I thought I was like a millionaire. Yeah. And I was like jackpot. Right. But anyways, yeah. Fifty with no expenses, right? None. <laughs> yeah. I lived in an apartment with Ryan Hamilton and Danny Ehrman. A three-bedroom apartment. The rent was nine hundred dollars a month total, so I paid three hundred. Oh my gosh! And all the utilities were included. We had to rent furniture, so I think my furniture bill was fifty to seventy-five bucks a month. Yeah. Rented a bed, a TV, nightstand, a couch. We split that. Yeah. It was just like, and I thought that was a lot of money. I'm like, man, I'm paying like five hundred bucks for bills every month. This is incredible. Like, this is a lot because like, we had a cell phone bill. You pay for cable. Yeah. Cable was included, but, yeah, you pay for your cell phone. Little did I know, like, that was us living dirt cheap. It was great. I know. Those were the days. Those huh? were, we'd play cribbage every night. We just, like, it was just great. You'd probably eat whatever you wanted eat to. Eat whatever right? I wanted to. There was restaurant. We would never cook. Well, Ryan Hamilton would, but we would just eat out pizza, chicken wings. Olive Garden was our go-to. Sicily's. We'd get breakfast sandwiches. It was so much fun. It was so coming out of college. It was so much fun. It was great. So what about um, you know we talk about one of the the reasons that you did so well as a fighter is is to protect your guys right, um, and certain stars obviously needed protection, but some needed it less than others because there there are plenty of videos of guys that are scoring thirty forty goals a year, but they can drop in as well as anyone. Um, how does it differ when you're on a team with a guy like? Marlo and Kane, and I know you didn't play with them, but like, how does an enforcer on a team who's got guys like Aginla or Ovechkin or Getzloff who can score a ton but are still strong enough that they can drop it no problem? Like, are you still is it is it spoken and or or just kind of understood that like some guys can fight for themselves, some guys need you to fight yeah, for them? Yeah, it's it's not spoken, but when you when you go into a room, you can tell who can handle themselves. Like if I. 
if I walk into a dressing room, I know just by looking at a guy like, listen, this guy's going to be able to fight. But if one of those stars gets into a fight, I feel like I'm not doing my job. You know what I mean? Like when I see Taser fight or Jumbo fight or whoever get into a fight, I'm like, I am not doing my job right now. And it irks me. So you never want to see those guys fight. But, yeah, if someone's messing with, like, Kane or something, that's when you step in and you fight whoever it is. But if someone's messing with Taser or Jumbo or whoever, you know, who can handle themselves, and it's a guy who you know they can, they'll be fine with, you kind of let it go a little bit longer. But, yeah, it's just you don't want to see the star guys. A, there's a good chance they're going to break their hand. B, they're out of the game for five minutes. And C, I look like a dingbag because I don't know how to do my job. So... It's funny. You you don't talk about it, but I remember a story. I came into Buffalo. They had been ran out of the rink by Boston for years. Lucic ran, Miller. They were just being bullied every game they played against Boston and then generally throughout the league. Like, they didn't have any muscle. I came into Buffalo, and this is one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten in my whole life where after the season, Tom, Thomas Vanna came up to me and said, that was – the best season I've ever had, and it's and it's because of you. What is going on? Meeting Al said hello. Why is it doing that? I don't know. So we have this little camera that sits in. We we're just doing it tonight. It's called the Owl, and it just started talking to us. This ruins my ruins my rhythm, Tim. Anyway, so Vanna comes to me at the end of the season. He said that was the best season I've ever had. He had career highs and goals. I think he had career highs and assists. And he's like, listen, I, I just appreciate what you did. And I'm like, well, what did I even do? He's like, it was noticeably different when we would go play teams. I would not get targeted. No one would touch me. No one would talk to me. No one would challenge me or stick me. And I really, really thank you for what you did. And I didn't do much. I think it just my presence. And then, yeah, the whole Boston thing. And that was just really eye-opening. We're like, well, maybe I, I do add value to a team. You know? Tough guys do add something because... At that time, Vanek was a legit sniper. He was yeah. a, a top 25 guy in the league. And for him to say that, I was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, like I, I do add something to this team, even though I'm not scoring goals or making plays. I am helping the top guys perform at their highest level. And I think that's what people forget where, oh, you're just out there to start fights. No, I'm out there to make sure my top guys can perform at their highest level. And it'd be interesting to go back and see the correlation where I played with this guy, he got this many points, and then I left and where his points went. And, you know, I'm sure it doesn't happen every year, but Vanek said that to me. I was like, oh, thanks, man. That kind of made me feel good. Is he boring? Who? Is he Vanek? No. Really? Opposite of boring. Really? He is the complete polar opposite of, like, um, Pickles. Yeah. Pickles is crazy boring. <laughs> yeah. But Vanek was an awesome guy. Loved playing cards, loved hanging out with the boys. Like, just yeah. a great, great guy. That's cool. Yeah. He was one of those guys where I was, like, pleasantly surprised. He's just a cool – went to University of Minnesota, so he gets the college oh, vibe. He? Yeah. He, yeah, he went from Europe right to University of Minnesota. I think he played a couple years juniors here or something, but awesome guy. Awesome, awesome, awesome dude. Yeah. Great guy. So kind of want to just switch gears a little switch bit. Switch it up, Tim. Let's switch gears. Same topic, but we, we tweeted – down or gearing up? Geared up. Gearing up over again. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. We tweeted out uh, a few days ago about kind of talking about this episode was going to be about the code and the unwritten rules of fighting, and um, the fans had some good questions. Do you run that Drop in the Gloves Twitter site? I sure do. I was wondering if that was you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There, there might be some fake fan accounts out there. 
Oh. We have hundreds of fans, John. We have hundreds of fans. Dozens of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's, there's a bunch here. I kind of just go down the line. The first one is from a guy named Donnie Fong. How do you know it's a guy? I don't. Then don't generalize. We can get in big trouble. You're right. Donnie could be a woman's name. This individual. Thank you. Um, Donnie would like to know, have you ever not defended a teammate that was a pest and you kind of felt like maybe he deserved it? Um, yeah. You want to talk about it? Um, Cal Clutterbuck a few times where yeah. he would just start something. I'm like, Cal, you can handle this. Yeah. Um, Coletta a couple times. Where yeah. He'd start stuff. And I'm like, Patty, you deserve this. Like you deserve to get kind of, and Patty, that's the thing. Patty was actually legit tough. He was one of the tougher guys who could handle himself. No one knew he was a left-hander. And he would catch guys all the time. So he, I knew he could handle himself. But Cal, there was a couple times I'm like, ah, I hope Cal gets one right, right, yeah. right in the kisser. <laughs> he was the guy that would always warm up without the helmet on, right? Always. <laughs> always. I, you know, he's a nice nice guy. But, you know, when you have someone who is a nice guy, but then they do things that just rub you the wrong way? That was Cal. That's, that's you. It's me. I'm sure I, I'm like that with a lot of people. With you, what don't you like about me? I would love. We gotta, yeah. What don't you like about me? Let's just get it okay. out. Hey, it's air, not, air so not right now. Okay, not right now. Well, that'll be a whole. That'll be a whole episode. That's like a whole. I got a lot a to talk about. Season probably. <laughs> yeah, buckle up. Um, Mike Colagio wants to know, and we talked about this before. Is he Italian, how, Mike Colagio? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Mike, let us know if you're Italian. Yeah. And Mike wants to know, um, and we talked about this, like. Right now, fan, uh, fights happen all too often. Like a guy doesn't like, even if it's a clean hit, right? A guy's going to take you know uh, notice to it. So should like should a defenseman expect to be able to have to drop him every time he makes a big hit? Like what's what's your thoughts on that? I don't like that at all. Yeah, I really don't. I feel like if it's a good clean hit, I never really went after anybody for a good clean hit, and I'm sure someone's going to prove me wrong. Like oh look at this, but I don't <laughs> think I ever did that. If someone really lines someone up and it's a good clean hit. It's a good hit. It's a hockey play. I, I I don't like that part of the game where you're not allowed to hit somebody. And if you do, you're going to have to fight. I think it's useless. I feel like the guy should have his head up. You know, it, it is what it is. I've had teammates who have gotten lined up, and I said, hey, man, unless it's the other team's tough guy, then I have to yeah. fight him. But if it's like a defenseman bearing someone across the middle, it is what it is. Like, it's hockey. I, I shouldn't be expected or nobody should be expected to kind of answer for that. That's what people love about the game. It's a physical game. You don't want to take away hitting just because you're worried about fighting somebody. Yeah, I think that is silly. I don't like that. I've never liked it. I think that should be even more than an instigator penalty. Like, kick that guy to the game. Suspend him a game. Yeah. I just think, you know, you want to keep hitting in the game, especially clean hits. If it's yeah. a dirty hit, I've gone after guys for dirty hits. Don't get me wrong. Well, that's something different, yeah. England hit Kruger in Pittsburgh. It was a in my opinion, a very dirty hit. Targeted his head, he jumped. I went and fought him. It is what it is. Yeah. But if it's a good clean hit, and I think it's a clean hit, I would never try to fart, start a fart a, fart a stite, start a fight with somebody. What about if a star player targets or you know um, throws a big hit on one of your guys that needs to be answered for? Do you go after that star player or do you go after their tough guy? So just say if Stamkos hits someone on my team. Yeah. I would go after someone on their team. Yeah. I can't go after Stamkos. So, like, yeah. So, Kopitar hits Marlowe. You don't make Kopitar pay. You go after 
whoever. Yeah. I, yeah, you can't go after the star player, really. But okay. then you tell – just say on the other end of the spectrum, if their tough guy is like – or their, one of their pests is going after yeah. a star player on my team, I go to them and say, I'm going after one of your star guys. And does the guy who's fighting you know that he's answering for the hit that Stamkos laid? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Or a hit. It doesn't have to be Stamkos. It could be anybody. Yeah. If someone targets Kane, I don't fight that guy for hitting Kane. I fight somebody else on their team because you're not like that's that's my job. You're not supposed to. Right. So and then after I beat up their tough guy, I go to their guy who made that hit. I said, do it again. I'm going to fight somebody else on their team. I'm going to beat somebody else up. Keep hitting like that. And I will keep answering that. You know what I mean? What about uh, Mike Checks Greeley? and balances, Tim. Yeah. Checks and balances. That's, You're the sheriff out there. That's how it works. You have to keep people in line. And I know it sounds silly, but it, it absolutely works. If you tell someone there will be consequences for their actions, they will think twice about doing that. If I tell someone before the game, hey, if you run around and start hitting guys tonight, I'm going to bury someone or grab someone on your team, either someone on their team will say, hey, cool it, or they will – second guess themselves doing something because they don't want to get a their teammates hurt or themselves into a situation yeah and i don't care who you are if someone tells you that if someone told me that it would affect me and it happens it's human nature um mike Greeley wants to know and i guess i never really thought about this what's the code for fighting at the end of a shift where you know a guy's already winded is that has that happened? Is there is that thought about it at all? Oh, for sure. If if I was nervous about fighting a guy, I would try to pick him off at the end of a shift. For hundred percent, I would have coaches sometimes who they knew I was like nervous about fighting someone. Like, wait, he he would purposely wait this coach, and he would say, "Let's get him out at the end of a shift." No, yeah, way. and he wouldn't tell me to fight, but he knew I I wanted to. He's like, "All right, now you change. <laughs> Go grab him." I'm like, all right. Thank you. It didn't happen often, but yeah, you you typically did not want to do that, but you know you want to fight. So that wouldn't be considered like a you know a below the belt strategy. No, or anything? because they can always turn it down. They yeah. can always say no. You know, I, I would never jump somebody at the end of a shift, but if they're out there for thirty seconds and I ask them to go and they say yes, who am I to you know? Sure. You know, it is what it is. What about, um, and obviously this happens very, very rarely, but when goalies do drop the gloves. Oh, I love it. It's usually against each other, but not always. Yep. What is, is there a code for when it's okay to fight a goalie? Not that you ever did it, but I punched it a few goalies in the head in my day. Really? Yeah. Just either if I'm on the power play and they're getting slashed, which happened, I was on the power play and I turn on and belt them, or if it's in a scrum and they're, you know, getting in there. and I just think it's funny when you hit a goalie. They just go down. But... <laughs> Yeah, I like I've only seen one goalie, the late great Ray Emery fought Andrew Peters. That's the only time I've ever seen a goalie fight a position player. Yeah. And Ray is one of those guys, he he could handle himself. Like he was a f- tough tough goalie. So, I don't know, goalie just I love goalie fights. It's just two <laughs> yeah. guys who have no idea what they're doing. They're I got awesome. Ray Emery in like his first fight because of that Kessel incident. And he he won't stop thanking me. He's like, "I really thank you for getting me in that fight." I mean Ryan Miller. Who do I say? Ray Emery. Yeah, Ryan Miller. Ryan Miller. These Coors Lights, I'm telling you what. <laughs> I've had three of them, and I I might be a lightweight these days. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. it's a, Absolutely. Absolutely, Tim. What is the code for being third man in? Well, if someone's getting really taken advantage of. Who asked that question, by the way? Bill Opila. Bill, she sounds like a great gal. Um, 
if someone's getting really taken advantage of, I, I see no problem with just stopping the fight. I don't think you enter the fight, you know, to, to engage anybody, but you, you stop a fight, if, especially if someone's really getting their wheels beaten off of them. So I've done it before. You know, you're, you're standing around, you're watching your teammate just get beat up, and you're just, all right, that's enough. I don't go in there to try to fight the guy. I'm like, that's enough. Like, stop it. The refs aren't going in. Let's end this. Yeah, it doesn't happen about the in the NHL anymore because the refs jump in so quickly nowadays. Back in the old days when I first started, the refs would wait legitimately until you fell down. They would let you fight. They would let you fall sometimes and get back up. They would never jump in. Now the refs are so paranoid about guys hurting themselves and you know the the optics of it. As soon as like there's an opportunity, they dive in there, and it's just you know I don't think that's an issue anymore. Okay. Okay. Um, is this more... super boring or no? This is great. Is it great? Yes. Okay. I just two feel more... like when I talk a lot, it's really boring. No, because this is stuff people want to know, especially from you. All these gals tweeting in. <laughs> yeah. Two more questions. Uh, James wants to know. Nah, she sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when when there's a situation where there's a big scrum, usually after a big hit or something like that, or a tussle in front of the net. And then it always seems to be that two guys will square off up that. Even It's usually not the two guys that started the scrum, but two of the guys in, on the ice will square off as a result of whatever's happening in the pileup. How does that happen? Is there a conversation? Is there usually something preceding that that kind of gives no, them the context it, to do it? If you go into a scrum, and it doesn't happen in hockey, the guys who know how to handle themselves, they find the other guys who know how to handle themselves. Yeah, And the guys who don't know how to handle themselves – they usually are looking for quarters, and they're not looking for trouble. You know what I mean? Right, looking for Kane and Kessel and those yeah, guys. Yeah, and so they're not even looking for anybody. They're just keeping their head down. They're minding their own business, whereas the guys who are better at that, they're better at fighting, they're looking for somebody. They're trying to figure something out. So you're circling the pile. You're eyeing up who's around you, and as soon as you find someone, you, you, you go after them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just—it's just nature versus nurture, fight or flight. And most of the time, the guys are looking for it; they find it, and that's just how it works. Last question. All right, from Dominic Fisher. Uh, I'm saving it. I like him. Dominic, I'm saving it for last for a reason. Did you ever break the code? Um. <sighs> Well, arguably, people would say the Kessel thing would be breaking the code, going after a skill guy. Yeah. So that would have been a time where I guess I did break it at that point. But in a fight, I guess I don't think so. Like, I've I've never purposely tried to hurt someone in a fight. I've let up many, many times in a fight where I think someone's in a bad position. It hits. I don't think I've ever hit anybody erroneously as much as you would – beg to differ tim you're biting your tongue heavily louis erickson he's got to keep his head up is he still in the lead <laughs> yeah you never know if someone's gonna elbow you in the head it was a shoulder the elbow followed through didn't even touch him the shoulder hit his head jack edwards disagrees jack's the biggest homer in the league yeah. even um the boston beat writer knows that yeah pete to short answer to that question yes the phil castle thing i broke the code but with an asterisk beside it yeah yeah that's all we got for questions today. What else should we talk about? I feel like we, we, we just talked about fighting the whole time. What's going on in the league? Episode. The Leafs What's are on fire. On? Yeah, they are. 
Matthews is on pace to score 50-plus goals. What is his deal, by the way? All he does is score at home. Why is, is that? that? Right? He doesn't score on the road. He's got 20-some goals. I think 17 of them, of them are at home. Isn't that bizarre to you? How do you explain it? I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do, honestly, with the last change, where at home you get the last change so their coach can set a good matchup for him, but on the road they put their defensive guys against him. But that doesn't say a lot to Matthews, where he can't produce versus the other team's top defensive forwards and defensive defensemen. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, no? Yeah, no? It might. I mean, I think the last change is definitely something that fans don't think about, thought about. It's such an important part of the it's strategy of the game. It's a huge part of it, yeah. I used to despise that because I would never get on the ice on the road because the coach would be so terrified the other team would put their first line out against me, and I would just never get on the ice on the road. It would just be so <laughs> bad. But what else is going on in the league? Any any hot news? Justin Williams just signed with Hurricanes. Saw that, Mr. Day. Game 7. Yeah, which is pretty cool. It's cool to see. Which is strange because the Hurricanes aren't going to win the Cup. I don't understand that move. Because you know, you know you're going to come back for a playoff run. I mean, Marlowe signed with the Sharks. They're not going to win the Cup. Will he get traded at the deadline? I think yes. You think so? Yeah. I think I think yeah. And if he if they you know if he doesn't win the Cup, I think he'll come back to the Sharks and do the same thing next well, year. He said that. Traded at the deadline. No, no. We can say what he told us. Yeah. He told us, I asked him, like, point blank, I'm like, would you come back next year? He's like, yeah, I want to play next year. I'm like, what if it's not with the Sharks? He's like, I don't care. I just want to play hockey. Yeah. I'm like, what if what if it's for the New Jersey Devils? He's like, oh, then I'll go to New Jersey. The guy loves hockey. And he wants the cup so bad. He wants the cup very, very badly. You can see it in his eyes. Yeah. I kind of felt bad for him. <laughs> I know. I know. He wants the cup. He loves hockey. He just loves the game that much. I think he wants it more than Jumbo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. Jumbo loves the game, but he loves the game for different reasons. He just loves being around the boys. Yeah, he does. Patty wants to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Point blank. That That's his reason for playing the game. Go to Boston, man. They're not going to win the Cup. If they have Patty, they might. No, I don't think so. They went to Game 7 last year. You're acting like it's ridiculous to think they'll make the Cup. They're not going to win it. So who? Me. Breakfast? <laughs> yeah. They need a goalie. They don't need a goalie. Oh, my gosh. I just want to point out the Bruins won, and Pasternak had a hat trick. <laughs> MVP of the league there. MVP. He's going to win MVP. What about the uh, Richard, too? You think? Yeah, double down. Hart and Richard. He is so oh good. He is such a good player. He is at goals 33, 34, 35 tonight. It is January 9th. He might get 70 goals. He's going to get 50 easy. What do his assists look like? Does he have like 20, 30 assists? Let's see. Yeah, let's see. It was always funny playing with Jumbo because he would literally get three goals and get like 70 assists. So as of tonight, 35 goals and 30 assists. Wow. 60 Five points. Wow. Who's, he's got to be leading the league, I would imagine. He's up there. Matthews, though, is scoring in bunches right now. Matthews has 30, I think, 32. Yeah, but he scored another hat trick last night. Yeah, imagine getting a hat trick. What a dream. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I cannot even I get a hat trick in men's league. I'm super excited. When's the last time you got a hat trick? Well, I guess you just answered that question. Ago. But, like, what about, like, before NHL career? Never. Like, not even in youth no. hockey? 
maybe in youth, but like very, very rare. Yeah. No, never, 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 ever. No, I can't even imagine. But anyways, we'll have a better podcast next week. Most of this will come Yeah, I want to talk about uh, some current event stuff next week. Really dive into, you know, All-Star Break's coming up. We'll do our rankings, what teams need to make moves, what teams don't need to make moves. Have you seen the jerseys? Terrible. Absolutely hideous. Yeah. Terrible. Like, I don't – anyways, we'll talk about it next week. All right, everybody, I hope you have a good week. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.